Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every good morning everybody this is uh carl stedman and i have a special um guest podcast i don't know what you want to call it but we're doing a dual podcast today and i'm here with Kristen sunanta walker who spreads the word about mental health and the issues that um, are within that that arena so Kristen, welcome. And I'm looking forward to this. It's the first time I've done a dual podcast, so <laughs> it's going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So uh, for my listeners that are tuning in for Mental Health News Radio, you're going to find out all about Carl Stedman and PSTV. But we'll, uh, we'll get to that later on in the, in the interview. We're going to talk about me first. <laughs> sounds good. Sounds good. So let's just dive right in. What is your platform? Why is your platform? <laughs> what is and why? Um, my platform is, as of right now, and I'm okay with competition, um, we're the only podcast network on the planet that's focused on all things mental health. And why that is, because my life is all about mental health, and that includes mental illness, but um, those are two very separate things. And uh, it's where I volunteer. It's something that um, mental health has been something that is pivotal. It's pivotal for everyone, but mental health and mental illness um, have been a big part of my experience um, growing up, the mental illness piece. So doing a podcast about mental health, like I do with my show, and then also creating a network where I can have community, other podcasters talking about mental health, it was a no-brainer for me to say, yeah, there's nothing out there. Let's do this. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what the heck is involved in creating a network, but I'll figure it out. <laughs> I did. So, <laughs> can't say we're doing a bang-up job. We're doing what we're doing is all I can say about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I relate to that very, very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, I don't know. how. What, what do I measure it by? There's no other podcast network on this for me to go is that good is that bad so whatever we have over 50 shows that cover everything from first responders and mental health addiction ptsd um sexual abuse uh, bipolar disorder schizophrenia i mean literally like grief it goes on and on and on so uh 
So that's, that's what we've got out there. It's, it's pretty awesome. That's pretty cool. And it's definitely needed. That's for sure. Especially here in California, we have a large homeless population and the mental health side coincides with that dramatically um, because of some things that have happened 15, 20 years ago. Um, so it's, it's, it's a major in your face issue for a lot of Southern Californians. So. Oh, absolutely. And Southern California, where in Southern California are you? Uh, we are in beautiful, sunny San Diego. Ah, okay. Well, I grew up in Orange County, so. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah. So my old stomping grounds. What part specifically? Uh, I grew up in Westminster and Huntington Beach. Okay. I'm very familiar with both. I've lived in OC for three years, something like that, before I moved down here. Yep. They 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 butt up against each other. <laughs> Actually, it's a beautiful area. So you were talking about mental health being a part of your life growing up. Would you mind diving into that a little bit? Yeah, and I, I it's so funny. I have to correct myself even all the time because mental health is a part of everybody's life. Um, What I found interesting about the mental health field is that the term mental health and mental illness get lumped together. And it's odd because physical health and physical illness don't get lumped together. Uh, Brain health and brain disease doesn't get lumped or brain illness doesn't get lumped together, but mental health does get lumped with mental illness and neither should be stigmatized, Um, but they are two separate things. So we all have mental health or we're not alive. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Um, so, of course, that was a part of my childhood. But the mental illness piece, yeah, that was very much a part of uh, my childhood because I have uh, both parents um, have mental illness. And, um, you know, it was ran rampant throughout my family. And the non-treatment of it, the unacknowledgement of it, the stigma around it, I think is what um, allowed for things to happen to me as a kid. Um, that, you know, if we were a mentally healthy family, wouldn't have happened like sexual abuse at the hands of my father and plenty of other things too. But, you know, my thing about it is, gosh, if we can normalize it um, and take away the stigma around it, then, you know, there's your preventative medicine. Maybe some things won't happen uh, to kids because we normalize something like talking about, you know, mental health challenges and talking about mental illness and also making it okay to go to treatment. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And it is definitely, it's definitely needed. Um, I've, had some bouts with that, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and like just a, a little bit about myself, I grew up and there were periods of time that I was suicidal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, again, like we were talking before this podcast started, there are issues, there are subjects, there are topics that need to be talked about in the world. And a lot of people, a lot of society chooses to avoid them because they're, for the most part, difficult to talk about. Right. But I, 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 I am 100% aligned with you in we have to discuss these, these issues that need to be brought out into the open, need to be projected so it becomes part of the, of the, common, um, uh, the common communication. And with that, I think a lot of advancements would happen very quickly. Does that make Abs- sense? Yeah, it absolutely does. And I, I love the fact that it is 
more commonly discussed. I am seeing strides uh, about many things. Um, you know, when I started talking about sexual abuse and incest, I was, you know, 14. So this is 1984. And, you know, things like my father was never investigated by the police, but I was. <laughs> That's what happened in 1984, because you don't talk about this kind of stuff then. Um, I did talks in front of doctors and nurses and so on about, um, you know, looking for kids that have invisible, um, quote unquote, you know, visible trauma, meaning they've been sexually abused, but you don't see a bruise. So I would go talk about this and I was like 17 or 18. And I would have people shaking their finger at me. How dare you speak about your family that way? Well, that doesn't happen today. Like yeah. I mean, it happens, but it's not like it did then. So I see um, that it's working and I'm really proud of myself as a human being that I never shut up about these things at the risk of har harm from other people, at the risk of, um, you know, being um, out, you know, sometimes an outcast from society. I, I risked a lot of things to use my voice about these topics and um, now that I'm pushing 50, I'm really glad I did, but there were years where the choice to do that certainly added to my mental distress <laughs> and I already was mentally distressed. <laughs> so, so what was that like? Like mm. what, what, I mean that like you, you're talking about it as a broad strokes right now, but that had to cause a lot of uh pain a lot of anguish oh, a lot yeah. of extras and like yeah. that's just a compounding factor right yeah absolutely i mean i'm the, you know i know where you're going with this like a day in the life as a teenager so already full-on um, complex ptsd um there were other things my father did that were awful uh just absolutely loved to set up scenarios where he scared the hell out of me um re reenacting um scary movies and that he was taking me to see at an age that you do not take kids to see those kinds of movies and then reenacting them because it was fun for him. So there was a lot of sadistic stuff going on. So I already had this complex trauma going on. And then um, being in high school, well, that's traumatic if you're a um, neurotypical kid, right? So then we add, okay, all of my other stuff. And then I talk about these things. I think the only way that I could really survive something like high school, which is not a welcoming place for a kid with those kind of issues, or at least it wasn't, um, was that I would do a peer group and I would find my peeps. I was always trying to find my peeps. Who can I connect with? And I knew that it was going to be other kids that had something like this going on and they would talk about it. So, um, you know, but in terms of Gosh, there were many times that I went to school and I was literally in a fog the entire time that I was at school. And the quick, more quickly I could get to my car or get on the bus to go home so that I could go to sleep. Because that's a lot of the ways that my depression manifested. Um, you know, that was a daily part of my, um, my existence. When can I get some sleep? And I know now from all the psychiatrists that I've been neuroscientists and so on that I've interviewed over the years, you know, that was my body protecting me because when we sleep, we build up our serotonin and, you know, all those chemicals that keep us 
uh, having a sense of well-being. So my body really needed to sleep. But that was that was like, I mean, if I could find a bench where I could hide somewhere and sleep, that was a part of my daily um, need in things like, you know, ages like high school. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's rough. I, I can relate to that um, wholeheartedly, actually. The, the sleeping part is a protection mechanism. Oh, God, yeah, absolutely. That and food. I mean, you know, stuffing with food. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, hiding food, finding it, squirreling it away, you know, all, and not, hopefully nobody notices. That was a big part as well. So I totally understand eating disorders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So once you got out of that situation, once you moved out and started seeing the world, how did you start overcoming the the trauma from growing up in an environment like that? I would say, I mean, it's a lifelong thing. I still have things that come up. Um, I think it's funny when when people say that because, of course, I'm in this. So talking this way is my part of my everyday life. It isn't for so many people, but um, sometimes when people hear that, they picture someone saying, well, I still deal with this. Oh, that means that Kristen still gets in the fetal position and can't work. And, and that's not what I mean. I mean, things come up for me because uh, I reach a certain age or I meet someone and their behavior is very toxic. And it reminds me of behavior from someone in my past you know, there's all kinds of things. And, and I'm just, I'm not special. This is what we all deal with, whether you had a childhood like mine or you didn't. And I think it's more about what tools you've put in your tool box or your kit that help you um, get through things. And I'd say counseling for me, which is why I love mental health professionals. Counseling has been my lifesaver. That is how I have always been able to um, get to another level of coping, surviving, thriving was because I would always do some kind of counseling. That's awesome. And still do when I need it. <laughs> yeah. No, that's smart. Um, they'll ask you the questions. They'll open up your mind for different possibilities and basically allow you to rewire your brain. Oh, yes. The rewiring your brain is very, very important. Yes, absolutely. So one of the things that I do to, to do that, because I'm a huge proponent of constantly improving and getting rid of the things that don't serve me, mm -hmm. uh, I actually walk around with a rubber band on my wrist. And when I have thoughts, when I have actions, when I have any of those sort of things that do not serve either my goals, how I want to live my life or self-doubt, um, not worthwhile, all that stuff, or worthiness, rather. Um, I, I gently snap it, and mm. it's a pattern interrupt that basically makes my brain, it forces my brain to stop that firing of those neurons within that, that pattern. And once you do that enough, your brain, your body realize that that is a, not an efficient means of energy consumption, mm. and it starts to deteriorate. And then you can start building new ones. Um, so that's just a little little tool that I've that helped me tremendously in my journey um, to, to to move forward as well. Yeah, and I mean, whatever works for somebody, and something that works for you, you know, worked for you ten years ago may not work today, but it's in your toolbox. Because I have gone back and uh, said, yeah, that's something I 
I've stopped doing. I'll give you an example. Um, and it's funny that you bring up the rubber band because we just did a show about this with a friend of mine who's a podcaster on the network, Dr. John Huber. He's a forensic psychologist. And we literally just talked about this and the device that uh, they're trying to push out there that gives you a shock and uh, it for you know the same effect that you do you know with a rubber band. And uh, we were talking about the pros and cons of something like that. And I said, I think I'll stick with the rubber band mode. <laughs> you don't want to be cattle prodded. <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> but I, but there are a lot of different things you do, like you, like you just said. One of them that I, I forgot about. I was told about this by um, someone that I work with. That's, uh, a, I call her a healer. Uh, she does. Oh, thing the mix of psychology and um, spirituality and things like that but I was really creating a bunch of rabbit holes for myself um, recently and uh, she said did you forget about what if and I said oh I did I totally forgot about it and what it is is anytime I start creating a bunch of uh, Kobayashi, uh, Kobe, uh, what is that saying in Star Trek? Kobayashi Maru, anywhere you just can't get out of a situation. I, I start uh, just going down these rabbit holes and there's never a good ending for it. Instead of allowing myself to go there or as I do it, I'll stop and go, what if I deserve to have everything work out for me um, totally in, in, advantageous to myself and for the good of everyone else involved, you know, you just, it's that stop rewire. So it has the same effect as the rubber band. You're just going and you're programming your brain to go in a more positive open direction than just here's everything bad that's going to happen in all the ways that it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, no, that's powerful. That is definitely powerful. Just changes your entire dy uh, dynamic of thinking. Um, Absolutely. So you told me that, you wanted to start this network and focus on spreading the word about mental health and you didn't know how to do it and you just <laughs> go in and you've obviously accomplished a lot um you have 50 shows on the network it, it's it's growing where are you going with it well i want more shows i mean you know i i, I don't see any reason why we don't just keep having more and more shows. Um, and where I want to go with it is I want to start siloing it a bit, like um, have a sort of portal or a network within the network that's just dedicated to all the shows on the network that are um, for first responders dealing with mental health challenges. Um, same thing with you know, have a place where everyone can go to see all the shows that are dedicated to psychological abuse, just refine what we've, you know, what we've built, um, while also adding, you know, more, more shows to the network. And I really want to move into filming some things. We've got a wonderful um, film partner that um, we're talking to about doing something that's like podcasts where it's episodic and it's short films nobody wants to spend an hour watching anything really and especially if we're talking about mental health but something that's bite-sized that helps normalize um you know mental health challenges and mental illness and um and have that be 
filmed as well as audible. And the reason why I want to go that direction is because the point is to reach as many people as possible. Well, there's an entire universe of people that prefer to watch things instead of listening to them on a podcast. So I want to, you know, reach both audiences. Um, so that's where I'd like to see um, in terms of the network. I've got other things going on that aren't really related to the network or they're loosely tied. But in terms of where this network goes, that's kind of the direction that I'm seeing that I want things to go. I love it. That's awesome. And it's definitely needed. And I do wish you the best. Like that's that's pretty cool that you're that you're journeying down that path. So yeah, absolutely. So tell, you know, just so for my listeners to know, what is PCS TV? Uh, PSTV. I'm sorry. Uh, what is PSTV? <laughs> so along the same lines, um, I, this actually started about a year ago and it was random. Like I'm not, never was in the media industry. I actually was an investor, um, built companies, that sort of thing. And about a year ago, my mom was sending me positive quotes and she was snapshotting it on the internet and then texting it to me. I was looking down at them and I was like, this should be an app. So last June, July, I taught myself how to code and I coded a beta app and it just kind of took on its own life from that point forward. Um, PSTV in a nutshell is a positive biased network. So think Netflix, but for positive bias content. Mm. We're aggregating a ton of different types of content. We're producing podcasts, we're producing videos, we're producing shows, we're producing um, courses, we're just producing a lot of stuff. And we are systematically bringing on content to essentially change the way people uh, view the world, if you will. Because if you think about it, every single day you walk around and you have millions of inputs coming into your system, whether it's auditory, visual, um, hearing, touch, smell, whatever it may be, but you have all these inputs and most people don't actually think about the filtering mechanism that their brain is applying to those inputs. Right. So where I'm going with that is in the news specifically and in traditional media, there is a lot of negativity, yeah. a massive amount. And even if you're just watching it or even on social media, even if you're just consuming it and you're not even thinking about it, that is still altering your programming within your mind. It is systematically rewiring your brain to expect things like that which makes you more pessimistic and makes you look for the negative in humanity, makes you look for the negative in situations. And it is a unnoticeable effect for most people. So what we are doing here is reversing that cycle. Because if you control the inputs that you are taking in on a daily basis, you can, again, rewire your brain to have a better, more uplifting, positive, happy, fulfilling life. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, this is this is quite an undertaking and I get it because <laughs> so is mine. <laughs> Did you have people say, what are you doing? This is this is never going to work. What, what are you thinking? No, because the people that talk to me know that I do crazy stuff all the time. Like I've lived a very, <laughs> very crazy life. Um, it's been since I got out playing basketball in college. It's been a life that is got highs, lows, really crazy random things that most people just stop and, and stare essentially when I tell them my story. So the people that know me, we're all in on it. They're like, this is a great idea. Go do it. 
Mm. I actually didn't have people tell me, hey, don't do this. This is a bad idea. And even if they did, I wouldn't listen to them because again, like I don't allow most people other than maybe a handful in the world, literally, to influence my decisions mm. because they don't pay my bills. Is that right. simple? Right. And unless they've been in the spot where I am going, their opinion is just that. It's an opinion of what they think they need to do to get there rather than what someone definitively needs to do to journey that path. Good for you. I mean, do, do you usually do 30-minute shows? No, I just talk. Okay, okay. I didn't know if we were needed to wind oh, anything no. down because now I'm, I'm curious. So in terms of, I mean, I'm not that it wasn't before, but when you came to, to me and you, I, I don't know how you found uh, my Eric, show. Eric. Oh. Okay. Uh, my co-founder, Eric. Okay. Gotcha. And asked us to give you our RSS feed so that you can um, have my show on the network um, feed your site. Yeah. We'd love that actually. Which is great. I mean, you know, obviously I want to reach as many people as possible. Um, so I love that. And in the midst of how busy we all are, you know, I, I, pay it i pay attention to what i can <laughs> yeah with everything i'm sure you know what i'm talking about but i was like okay i really don't know what this is uh but it the site looks great i love the positive in media this is fantastic um so i'd ask you the same question where do you see this going and i know you said film and i see you have a, a tab at the top that says or a menu item says entertainment are you moving towards the film area too so we are building a netflix style platform fantastic literally um we are partnering with a company to start our app because um, we need to do a better version than i can go out and do at the moment mm -hmm. um and that is starting next month i believe and ultimately just think that uh, we'll have different forms of content. So blogs, video, audio, um, any other form that eventually comes apart. So augmented reality, virtual reality will eventually be on the platform. And within those silos, there'll be show types. Mm -hmm. And we're just trying to aggregate as much content as we possibly can because we want to become a destination for individuals that are fed are sick and tired of consuming negative bias content there's there's a, when i when i started this company there is a couple studies that i was looking at and there's a direct correlation between the number of media hours someone consumes on a daily basis and the propensity for being depressed and suicidal oh yeah and you got to ask yourself why is that and the the blunt truth is because it's not necessarily the screen time that's the bad thing. The bad thing is the type of content that they are consuming, like I was talking about before, that is reprogramming their mind systematically. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that we've got major corporations involved in, um, you know, a lot of funding involved in keeping us uh, anesthetized and to go in that direction. Um, that's a whole other, that's a whole other show. <laughs> I just had an hour of it with, <laughs> with, <laughs> with someone on a podcast um, we did before this one. So um, 
yeah, it's, I really, it makes me really happy that you have people supporting this, that you have um, backing for this. Um, it makes me excited to know too, that us moving into the film world, I'd have a place to go. Can we put our episodes up here? And you'd probably say yes. So oh, yeah. it would be that's, definitive yes. Not a yeah, that would be, that's exciting. Um, getting people to, out of that fog of, uh, you know, I mean, I, and I get it. I get it. This is when you're depressed, um, how you see the world is what, you know, creates reality for you. And so you look for um, negative content. And then when you see it out there, you know, you're looking for it. Algorithms are picking it up to keep feeding it to you. It's a, it's a twisted, twisted mechanism. Um, when you make those shifts to try to get into something more positive, um, you know, you you can put up a lot of roadblocks, even in your subconscious. So how do you see what you're doing, being able to kind of break through some of that to get people, you know, go here? It's very simple. Um, you're talking about viralness, basically, the amount mm -hmm. of um, views per content piece. And what you're talking about is a negative biased, um, sensationalist biased, a polarizing bias that the traditional media companies are putting out to the world and systematically only allowing you to consume that sort of content. Right. Well, the thing about, and well, the thing that drives that rather is the number of views, right? That drives advertising that literally drives mm -hmm. the dollar amount. So if you break it down to that uh, contextual standpoint, the only difference between a positive story and a negative story is the emotions that you internalize from reading that content. And what I mean by that is you can have viralness from positive based stories to drive that advertising or to drive the, that viewership to drive that advertising to reverse that cycle. It's just not as common because it's a little more difficult to create that sort of content to evoke those emotions. But I got to ask you this. Why are cats playing piano one of the most popular things on the internet ever? Right. It's goofy. It's funny. It's unique. It evokes emotions of laughter. People want to share that. And when they share stuff like that, it's positive. It's uplifting. It's funny. It's, you laugh at it. But it's that emotion that they receive when they share something that results in those emotions for the person they shared it with that causes the viralness. Okay. So you can create positive content that accomplishes the same thing as traditional media uses right now with the negative stuff, the, the polarizing stuff, the sensational stuff. And you can create that same cycle just with a different type of emotion base. Hmm. I, I mean, I, I hope so. Cause that's what I'm going for also. And listeners, my listeners, you have to understand, I just did a show about sex trafficking. So at this very moment, my brain is filled with, uh, with, um, all of the negative stuff that's going on out there around something that we don't talk about enough. Um, so I'm, I'm sort of in a, um, that kind of a headspace, but I bring that up because that shows you how much we're affected by what we listen to, what we watch. Um, you know, me just listening to that show, 
I felt a, a little defeated at the magnitude of what's out there and, and how much people don't pay attention to it. So I'm glad that I'm doing this interview with you now because it's helping combat the negative place I, I went to uh, on that show. I'm not saying that was a bad place to go. It's just, it's, it's, there are things out there that are very scary. So to have something like what you're doing um, as a, I don't want to say a combatant, but I guess somewhat of an antidote, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and see, right there is the issue that these sort of uh, conversations have and getting it spread to the masses is, okay, you're just recapping your state that you are in as a result of the mm -hmm. conversation, the topic you were just discussing. Right. So in order to change that, in order to create that content, that will then be able to be spread across a lot more people because in its current state, your state right now will dictate that you're not gonna spread that, not you personally, but like a, a common person in society is not gonna spread it a lot because of that state. It's not something that they like. They don't wanna spread that state to someone else. Does that make right. sense? Yes, absolutely. So in order to make that content change slightly, to invoke the emotions that enable people to spread um, a serious subject like that. At the end, you have to twist the, the conversation from the, the, the magnitude, the, the, the depth, the despair into a success story or into a story that people can relate to that will leave them with a positive feeling going forward. And that will start driving more shares, more views, more likes, more whatever you're looking for um, to help spread the messaging. So you had literally, when we discuss really deep subjects like this, you, we have to be cognizant, conscious of changing up the dynamic, the narrative. So it is edible for society so they can go then spread it and are you saying that because you know that that is that that is just a known and unfortunately somewhat sad known that that's what's going to get spread as something viral so you're just following what you see as what's what works on the negative side not not necessarily that your belief is that everything has to have this positive happy ending no i'm not talking about a positive happy ending i'm just saying that you have to repackage the narrative to have it spread more because the, the, the feeling that you are literally just talking about over the last couple of minutes, that feeling is not going to entice you to share it with others. Well, people. here's the thing though. Yes. Um, some people it wouldn't me and well, where I come I'm, from. I'm oh, hell yeah. I'm going to share it. <laughs> I'm not talking about you specifically. I'm talking ah, about one the of general the public. Yes. Okay. Because like gotcha. you're, you're, you're in a different situation. You have a network where it's solely devoted to that. I would expect you to share it regardless of the state you're in because you've went out and built it. But right. someone that's just casually listening, that feeling that you feel now, you got to understand that they are feeling that same feeling. And that is not one, that's not a state they want to stay in. So they're going to look for other mechanisms to change that state, even if they're not consciously aware of it. So how do we get to a place where we deal with, you know, real, very real things? Uh, the human experience is not always um, positive states of uh, feeling. And part of our experience is that we do have, um, you know, 
part of getting part of getting to those wonderful places that you, where you want to share what's going on is the contrast in life. Exactly. So, so you do just that. You talk about the negatives, you talk about the crap, the trials, the tribulations that people have gone through. And then you find individuals that have gone through and come out the other side. And then you ask them how, and then you ask them what kind of emotions that evicted, what changes in their lives. And you give people a blueprint to both talk about the negative and also the positive sides, the outcomes. So the only difference in the narrative is the outcome of the subject or the person you're talking to. Well, I will say this from some of the things that I've, that I've studied um, myself personally and what I see that happens sometimes in, in media or with people that are um, well-known entertainers or um, people that get out and do big talks about this is how you're going to change your life. A component that I see missing with some of those well-known people that do those kinds of topics is they don't go very deep. They, you know, put focus on money and this is how you should live your life in order to have this, very material things. And people sort of flock to it and it becomes very cult-like. And what I like about what I do and what you're talking about is that we're not talking about um, anesthetizing everyone into thinking that we all, that this human experience is this happy bubble. It's that, yes, there are issues. And then here, you know, is the other side of that. You don't have to live in the, the, you know, the feeling awful all of the time place. There is another place to go, but I'm not telling you at all that there's something wrong with you that you go to that negative place or that, um, you know, that that isn't real. You should always be living 100% happy all the time because that isn't real either. Does that make any sense where I'm going with that? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And you, you also got to re, uh, remember that the reason why those cult followings start to exist is because they are solely changing the state of the people that they're talking to. So this is all about state, your being, your, your feeling, your energy, your emotion, Okay. The, 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 the courses, the followings that you're talking about create mm-hmm. a state that is to the person that's listening or participating is a lot higher vibrational energy, even though they're, they're, they're skipping over the meat of the subject, they're creating a state that they want to then go out and share. So. Yeah. That is why they develop the, these cult uh, followings is because of that emotional, it's a, uh, I forgot the word that I want to use right now. It happens all the time with my brain. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it creates a state that people want to share. It makes them feel important. It makes them feel special. It makes them feel good about themselves on sharing that sort of state. So even though we, you and I, and our networks discuss issues that are most people cringe when they talk about. Right. You can still, again, shape that narrative to create that state on the back end or while it's going through the, the, the narrative to have the end goal of a different state that is a higher vibrational energy that people want to go out and share. Mm-hmm. So, so that is the reason, that is the outcome um, these, these cult followings have is because of that state. So 
knowing that we can then go and shape our own stories, our own narratives to achieve that outcome, to achieve that viralness. Gotcha. You're using the same methodology as what the negative side uses. As uses. You're just using it to create higher vibration states. Um, yes. Okay. Got it. That makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. So, and, and that's, that's part of the, the discussion that I've been having, like with investors or potential investors. Um, they're like, well, positive news doesn't sell. Well, that's just because they're ignorant in the way that viralism actually happens. That's all. So you just have to enlighten them. You just have to get that modality, that understanding on the same wavelength, and it's not an issue. I just had this conversation with um, a filmmaker talking about the episodic things that we want to do. Um, we were talking about Jada Pinkett Smith's Red Table Talks and that that's just taken off, um, yeah. you know, and, and there are deep, incredible conversations that happen there. Yeah. But would anyone pay attention to watching that if it wasn't Jada Pinkett's? <laughs> yeah, but see, but see, it, it doesn't matter because at least in my mind, it doesn't matter. And the reason why I say that is one, the reason why people would share it because it's him is because they feel important that there's, that they're uh, not only helping a, 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 to a topics that are, uh, difficult to uh, to talk about, but they also feel important because it's a celebrity that's discussing them. So they're in the know with their group of people. Right. So that being said, what's stopping us or things or, or, or content producers like us from getting someone like a Jada Pinkett Smith and having them discuss it? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. True. Very so, true. So that to me is just, okay, they're taking the, the state change a little bit in, in, in a slightly different direction. And it's not necessarily the, the, the state of the conversation or the state of the narrative and that impact on that state that the listener is getting, but it's the who is giving it. And because of the who, people automatically feel like they're part of a certain select group. They're in the know. So they want to share it. Interesting. So you're coming at this from a very scientific. Yeah, it's just how my brain works. <laughs> gotcha. Like, like I, I, I was an investor. Like I love chaos and I love distilling it down to its simplest versions and then acting upon those inputs. That's it. That's all I do. Hmm. Well, I hope that you're right uh, because we want to put information out. If someone who's more well-known, uh, you know, wants to be a part of an episode, great, but I'm not going to you know, bank everything on, oh, we got to have celebrities because it's just not the way my brain works. Um, and there are plenty of people out there that aren't celebrities that have something amazing to say. I look at something like um, Humans of New York. Mm -hmm. Have you, you know anything about that whole initiative? Not particularly, but I, I do want to comment on one thing real quick. Sure, sure. Um, I, I'm not saying that celebrities are a necessity. I was just analyzing why yeah. that works. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Humans of New York is a, a movement that um, I don't know that it has any so, you know well-known people involved. It's and it's huge. I mean, 18 million followers on um, Facebook. They they put out books. They put out stories. It's and it's literally just random people in New York, and they do a story. 
And it's amazing how it's taken off without any, you know, faces of celebrity involved. And I wonder how did they pull that off? States. Hmm. Okay. So you were the right person for me to meet. (laughs) 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 I need to know that piece in order to do what it is I want to do with mental health. Mm. Like you, you, you have to be cognizant of that and you have to uh, mold your narrative in that direction, knowing that's the outcome you want to achieve. Like my, my podcast, the Tivity cast. Okay. When we started it, we didn't know what we were doing like at all. We started in October. Okay. Now we're actually producing extremely high quality podcasts for other people, but a byproduct of that, because of all the mistakes that we made with my own podcast, <laughs> we're actually rebranding the Tivity cast into something different and new and bigger. We're making a premium podcast out of it. So all video um, promos, just a bunch of things were up in the level of play dramatically. And the reason why is because we were having great conversations. We were having great people on, but within the podcast space itself, interviews are overplayed. Right. They really are. It's just, it's been, it's a, it's a, and I hate to use this term, but I'm going to use it. It's beating a dead horse. Right. It's a saturated medium for sure. Exactly. So we're changing our format. We're changing the name of the podcast to unsubstantiated genius, which I love that because I've never actually been tested. Um, so it's like a genius without proof. And I find that highly. (laughs) 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 Right. Um, And that will be debuting in about three weeks. And that is a direct result of us learning from the data that we've received throughout this process. And to me, anything that you do in life when it comes to business or even in general, you do it in iterations and you build something, you analyze it, you rip it apart, you build it up better. And the, the unsubstantiated genius is a direct result of the iterations that we did with TivityCast. So anything that we put our hands on going forward is getting the benefit of all of these really tough learning lessons. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a powerful way to live your life and to build a business because you're constantly improving. Right. And if you do that enough, you'll become a world leader in whatever field you are. You know, it's, this is, so this is random, but I'm throwing it out there. I literally just got PSTV positive. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Without any vowels, right? Right. Yes. Uh, the, I, no one's going to hand me a genius award. I know what my IQ <laughs> is and I, 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 I make it to Mensa, but I'm not in genius category in Mensa for sure. <laughs> I know I'm smart enough to um, understand most of what the geniuses in my life say, and I'm able to translate for them, uh, especially in business, what it is they do so that people want to buy what they do. Yeah. So I feel good that I can, I can at least understand that enough, but I, I'm, I'm not them. <laughs> <laughs> well, to me, that's just a title. Right. And a title is just something for either ego or to tell someone else that you're important. So I don't yes. care about that. Like I don't, I've done a lot of things. I have a book coming out and, and nationally be, or it's being nationally published called Broken Oakland. I have one on Amazon called Persistaholic. I don't consider myself an author. 
I've created multiple companies. I've made money. I've lost money. I don't consider myself an entrepreneur. I literally, the only thing that I like to call myself is either a creator or a maker. That's it. Everything else, that's for someone else to put a title and a box around me. I don't give a shit about that. Sorry, I cuss sometimes. Um, Fine. I, but, I do too. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I don't care about titles because they do nothing for me. So when you put a title on like a certain parameters, all you're doing is putting a box around it. Why? Because human beings love to have um, clarity. They love to have, oh, my mind's going blank now, the opposite of chaos, structure. Right. So that's part of the reason why I like unsubstantiated genius and part of the reason why I'll never get tested because quite honestly, I don't care. See, I am, I am so with you. I'm the same way. I, I, I was asked by someone who writes for a very, very well-known magazine and he was put off because I didn't jump on the opportunity where he was offering to write an article about me because everybody fights to get in his, you know, to be written about by him. And I had to really look at that and go, what is that? Is that me? self-sabotage or an insecurity and I, I just don't care yeah. yeah i mean i'll do it because i know that it's going to help um what we're doing but i'm certainly not rushing and i've got people i know that they would beat me over the head with a stick what are you doing you should absolutely are you nuts i just don't <laughs> i just don't care that is not a motivator for me does that make sense yeah it makes Complete sense, um, 100%. And that's, that's something that, again, you don't derive your sense of well-being or your mm -hmm. sense of worthiness from someone else's ability to attract attention. Right, exactly. So, yes, I, I, I get it, 100%. I derive my, my sense of worthiness and self-worth out of the work I do on myself and how much um, I'm able to help care for other people. That's, you know, that's, that's awesome. where it comes from. So yeah, multiple companies here too. I have to do it. It's fun. It's exciting. It's creative, but I don't ever, ever need to go to some awards banquet that says, look at how great Kristen is because she has five companies or whatever. Oh my God. No, 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 no. I'd rather stick a needle in my eye than do something like this. <laughs> I, 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 can, I can relate to that part. Um, and by the way, we need to have a conversation offline and discuss uh, working together. In Absolutely. Um, I love this because listeners, this is how we're, we're going to close the show, obviously. But this is, you're getting a really good insight too into how, um, you know, I work with people where we figure out, ooh, there's some, some neat here that needs to be explored because um, Carl and I have been doing that, sitting back, figuring out, oh, maybe there's something more that we should do here. And you guys are getting a, a bird's eye seat into just somebody's, um, uh, a, you know, how that happens um, for somebody that's, you know, out there wanting to be creative and a do-gooder. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead, Carl. <laughs> I interrupted you. No, no, not, not at all. Um, one thing I want to add to that is this is something that I've had to learn the hard way. Um, uh, one of the things that happens all the time and the reason why there's uh, entrepreneurs are such a small segment of the population, although that's changing, 
is ideas are a dime a dozen. Right. Everyone has ideas. What, what a lot of the population um, are the disconnect between building something from an idea is actually going out and taking the actions on a daily basis to go make it happen. So when I, when I encounter someone like yourself who has an aligned vision with something that I care deeply about, it, my brain automatically goes to, okay, how do we work together? What kind of <laughs> actions can we make right now to make this a reality tomorrow? And yep. it's the ability to act in the moment constantly, day in, day out, ultimately results in major, major um, achievements, I guess, uh, companies, whatever yep. you're actually building. It's yep. just it's that, that, that action, 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 action off of an idea. Absolutely. Absolutely. You just started a new initiative and we have 13 members and it's all about um, digital media and our addiction to it. And uh, I mean, we came up with this idea maybe, I mean, it's been floating around in my brain for quite some time, but in terms of like when we got it, really got it going and got 13 people to come together um, maybe three weeks ago and we already have the company I mean, I've got it incorporated. We're getting a trademark. Uh, we've got in-service worksheets done. We have a speaker thing booked. And that all happened in the course of three weeks. Yeah. And the website and all the social media. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's amazing what a little bit of action does, right? <laughs> That's right. Exactly. And you're absolutely right. Um, you, you know, I, I had a, young, a very young guy um, who I hope will learn. I hope for his sake that, you know, that he'll learn, but, um, you know, he very much attached to, Oh, I, and would say, I just need to, I'm so smart. I just, I'm going to sit in a room and have scribes and people will write down, I'll just fart out ideas. And they're so brilliant that, you know, then people will write them down and then they'll go and put them into action. And I, just looked at him and I said, boy, you got a long fall, buddy, because that is not how it works. Anybody yeah, can poop out a good idea. You have to actually roll up your sleeves and put that idea into action or it's not going to go anywhere. Exactly. And I, I've, yeah, I've, I've experienced something close to that because um, I've definitely been humbled throughout my journey. And <laughs> um one of the big things is, is I guess it's cost me a lot of money is, is it's all about the people the people that go out and execute. Right. Um, so yeah, exactly. good times. Great learning lessons though. Oh That's yeah. I, lesson, we need them. So. You know, you need them. You, that being humbled again and again and again and face planting. That's awesome stuff. That is awesome. <laughs> necessary. It's uncomfortable as hell. You don't like it, but boy, does it, uh, you know, craft you, uh, change you. Um, and if you're someone that's out there and your MO is to do good in the world, then you start to savor those face plants because you know something good is going to spring forth from it. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, my book, Broken Open, is a direct uh, result of that, one of them. Um, nice. But going through them, yeah, it's definitely messy. It's gooey. It sucks. Like it's cost me a couple, yeah, it's cost me a couple million dollars. Oh um, yeah. Multiple times. And it's just like, well, shit, that sucks. But <laughs> again, yeah, it, it's something good. I made it once. I'll make it again. Bingo. Yeah. Yep. Well, so, this has been awesome. This yeah. is really cool. So thanks for finding us. Tell Eric, thank you. And we will, <laughs> we will, um, we will definitely talk offline.
Well, sounds good. Thank you for uh, taking the time and talking with me. And I, I enjoyed it immensely. And I know our listeners will too. So. I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous, and they're just good people. And also MyGenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, CopeNotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. Sometimes I'm passive aggressive, but never without good intentions. I heat up and act on my emotions. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial. So-